I had a lot of jobs growing up, and they were all dead in, just nine to five jobs. I never made any money much at all in my life. All I could ever think of was what time I get off and how much am I getting paid. And I just decided to take a chance. I just said, I'm done. I'm getting out of here. I'm done with this place. And if I don't make it, then I'm going to go back to work. That's the worst thing that's going to happen to me. I just took a chance and walked away from the nine to five and started the plumbing business. Yeah, I mean, I should have started when I was 20. If I would have started when I was 20, it's hard to tell where I would be by now. But yeah, I wish I would have started when I was young. That's a lot of the regrets. And just, I wasted a lot of years doing nothing but working for somebody else. You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast. Thanks for joining us. This is 239. This is Clark. Jace, what's going on? How are you? Doing great, man. We're just starting to heat up down here in Texas. It's getting hot. Upper 90s, <laughs> I mean 100. It's getting, getting toasty, man. I like it, though. It's all around, right? Better weather coming. You know, something else that's going up, right? Inflation. We were talking about rates going up. Oh, right? man. They increased it's about nuts. a week ago, right? They increased yeah. rates again. Yeah, it's nuts. And you've seen the volatility in the market. And uh, obviously, those the, the, the Fed funds rate trickles down to all sorts of other other things. So definitely, you know, they're, they're trying to take steps to curb inflation, but it'd be interesting to see if we're talking in another year from now about any recession that is, you know, either pending or in the middle of, because I think that a lot of the signs are pointing towards that for sure. Yeah. They, they announced what a half point rate increase. And then they say, and then the markets went up three and a half percent and the next day they went down five. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely oh. nuts. <laughs> and then we got everything that happened this week, obviously. So anyway, kind of interesting. Gold is getting near an all-time high. Again, uh, I just kind of looked up a gold chart for fun. It, it, we haven't talked about gold much on this show, but the high price of gold was, let's see, 1980. But it's just just shallow, just shy of that. It went down another Second time all time high was two thousand eleven. So after that recession, and now we're getting we're getting close ish up there again for the price of gold. You want you want any gold? I mean, not. I, I I used to actually. I did have a gold coin. I did. I did end up selling it back in the day, and then you know just in some jewelry. But I would never count that or sell that or anything. But yeah. I was going to say about gold. You know, I've been seeing uh, Robert Kiyosaki be peddling peddling gold on some commercials and some other ads i feel like every time robert kiyosaki starts peddling gold you know something's about to happen (laughs) (laughs) he's no market because he can't control it right that's what he told us yeah gold and real estate yeah 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 so that's what that's what that guy's all about we could we should have books and books you can't forget about selling his books. books man Getting ghostwriters to write his books. Anyway, <laughs> uh, this week fought episode with Mark, not quite a millionaire, but uh, the value of his business kind of makes things a little bit more interesting. So he, he's a, a plumber and has worked also in the trailer park business for a while. So uh, interesting interview with him. Last week we had Carlos works in the military net worth of 1.9. So fun interview with a couple of these guys and look forward to obviously having more in, in, in the future here. If you have a if you'd like to ask a question to one of our millionaires, go to our website, millionairesunveiled.com. Hit the tab, ask a millionaire, 
and you can record it live and we'll kind of talk about it on the show at the intro. Somebody had just written in asking us to talk about I-bonds, so we talked about that on the introduction last week. Um, so anything that, you know, we could talk about in the future or, or hit on with some of these millionaires, obviously open to that from any of the listeners. So thanks for tuning in. And without any further delay, let's get right into it with Mark. Do you want to just give us a little about your background and what you're up to now? Pretty much all I do now is uh, graduate from high school, no college education whatsoever. Uh, started working nine to five jobs my whole life. Never did anything really special until I started trying to do some investing on the side, trying to get out of the nine to five life. I tried many different types. <laughs> and It wasn't uh, an easy sale. It was a hard road. We just tried many different types of investing. We started out wholesaling like most people do and flipped a few houses, did a few subject twos and things like that. And I, none of them ever really stuck with me. My parents owned a mobile home park for 30 years, and I saw lots of the bad side in mobile home parks. So I was determined to stay away from that as long as I could. I just did many types of different investing. I just, uh, everything I tried, I just didn't seem to enjoy it very much until I started rehabbing the houses. And that's what we enjoyed the most. Eventually, as time went on, I decided to try a mobile home. That's pretty much all we do now is mobile homes. We don't do anything else. We just buy them, rehab them, sell them on a note or financing them to people that can afford them. People with the home ownership as much as we can. That's pretty much what we do. I mean, that's all we do now. Interesting. So you said you own a plumbing business too? Yes, that's what funds all of it. I own a plumbing business and we we work for the big box retail stores here. That's what funds most all of it. And how long have you had that plumbing business? 20 years. Oh, wow. So quite a while. And you said you got started doing just a bunch of odd jobs. What did, what did you start out doing back in the day? Oh, Lord. Uh, everything from retail to, I mean, just about anything you could think of. I had a lot of jobs growing up, and they were all dead in, just nine to five jobs. I never made any money much at all in my life. Well, I was never smart enough to go to college. <laughs> so, and I, didn't, I just hated school something terrible, so that's why I never went to college. And I just... Worked from one job to another job to another job until I was 40, probably 40, 45. I just took a chance and walked away from the nine to five and started the plumbing business. But how I was able to keep working it is I got involved with the retail, the big box stores, the retail uh, lumber yards here. And that's how we were able to keep working and not have to do any marketing of any kind. And then I just take the money from the plumbing business and buy mobile homes in parks. And then we rehab them and sell them. Interesting. So when you started that plumbing business, did you have a bunch of plumbing knowledge or was that kind of a a, a totally new venture for you? I learned a lot about the plumbing business working for my mom and dad in their mobile home park. Their mobile home park has lots of well problems and water line problems. And so I spent quite a few years working on those water lines in that park and learning how to fix water lines and things like that over the years. Interesting. And then I just decided to go get a plumbing license. And that's all, I've, that's all I've known for the last 20 years, probably. That's awesome. And what is your net worth today? Probably 350 to 400. And, and how is I've that broken up? Oh, it's all, it's all mobile homes. Rest of it, 20, about 15 to 20,000 of it in cash. And the rest of it's all mobile homes, nothing else. And you don't put any value on your on your plumbing business at all? 
I could probably, if I wanted to sell the contract, I have a contract with one of the box stores. I could probably sell the contract. I've talked to them about it. It may be worth a couple hundred thousand dollars. I've just never tried to sell it because the guys that work for me have worked for me so long. If I walk away from the plumbing business, they won't have anything to do. So I don't walk. I just keep working it and let them work in it. And they go do the work. And then then we work on the mobile home some and work on the plumbing some. We just try to split it up. That's what we do every day. It's definitely not like what you see on television. (laughs) (laughs) So do you have, and, and do you have any home equity? No, I don't own a house other than we actually live in a mobile home. We, when we started buying mobile homes four or five years ago, where I grew up working around them with my parents, my fiance and I just decided we wanted to cut our lifestyle as much as we could and live as frugally as we could. So we got away from the thousand dollar and up mortgage payments and we moved into a mobile home that I paid cash for and we remodeled it and we just paid $300 a month lot rent. Our living expenses, we can live on less than fifteen hundred dollars a month. Wow! So you do you do have some you do have equity then if you bought it for cash? How much did you? How much does a mobile home park cost? Well, the home itself is in somebody else's park, so we could I could probably sell the home for forty to fifty thousand. There's okay. one in here now for fifty thousand. I could sell that for forty or fifty thousand if I wanted to. And you pay? You said pay you paid one thirty for it. No, I paid six thousand for the trailer. Oh wow, six thousand. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I only paid six thousand for the trailer, and we probably spent fifteen to twenty thousand fixing it. Gotcha. So, where do you spend your time now, Mark? Is it on the plumbing business, or is it on flipping the mobile homes, or is it pretty fifty-fifty split between both? It just depends. I mean, well, we get we get too many mobile homes to work on, and we we put all of our do all the work on the mobile homes. If these box retailers are calling us a lot, then we'll put the mobile homes off and go work in the plumbing business. Um, so, I mean, we just kind of, there was a time a few months ago, we would work for the box retailers for two days a week and work on the mobile home three days a week. But mm-hmm. it just depends on some of the park owners that we work for. They buy the homes and they want them fixed as quickly as possible. So then we'll put the, plumbing business on the back burner until we get their home pretty well ready for them to sell it. So you keep saying we, Mark, we work on the plumbing Uh business or we work on the mobile homes. Uh Do you have a team that works with you? Is that just you and your fiance? Who's your, who's your we? Me and my fiance and three other people. Okay. So you, so if they're not helping on the plumbing, then the three others are also, you, you employ them to work on the mobile home parts as well. Yeah. Wow. And it's not wow. mobile homes. We don't, I don't own any parts. I just buy mobile homes. So walk, walk us through that. I mean, that's a little bit new to us. So somebody wants to sell a mobile home and, and you buy it from them and then, and then fix it up, make it nice and sell it. Is it, is it same with just doing like a house flip or how does it differ? It is. The, the hardest part is getting the park owners to let you do what you want. You know, with a, typical single family home or apartments you just go in and purchase them and then fix it and sell it or rent it or whatever you want to do with the mobile home in a park you have to get the park owner's blessing to allow you to do what you want 
And that's where building the relationships comes in with them. You have to uh, convince them to let you do it. You can wholesale the homes like a typical single-family home and not buy the house and just wholesale it if you want. But you just have to be careful because some of the park owners don't want you doing that. And they'll tell you, you know, we don't want you to, we want people that are going to live here. We don't want you to rent them. We don't want you to do anything. And we'll just, when they tell us that, we just go somewhere else and work. I mean, there's so many mobile home parks. You can, you can find a couple of park owners that'll let you work and you don't have to have maybe two or three park owners that'll let you work and you can work the rest of your life if you want to, because some of these parks are, in really bad shape. The ones we work in are not. But I've seen some really bad ones looking around. But, I mean, it's just, it's like a typical home. I mean, it's sheetrock and two-by-fours and two-by-sixes. It's pretty much the same thing. It's just smaller. <laughs> you can get in for less money and get out. You know, your profits are not as big. But I just looked at it as like when I when I was flipping Single family homes, we were spending 50 grand to fix a house. And then as the economy goes, the houses go with it. These mobile homes, I don't know that they're going to, they'll go bad if the economy is good or bad because I just think people just can't afford to buy these expensive homes anymore. Mm -hmm. They're starting to, especially with all this pandemic stuff going on. Yeah. But so walk us. I mean, it's just, it's pretty much the same thing. If you get the park owner's blessing, you can do pretty much whatever you want in the park, but you have to do what you tell them you're going to do. So are you working more with the park owners in in finding these or the the people that own the individual mobile homes? Both. I mean, the individual homes, you can find them on the Internet. Right. You can find them anywhere. But if you have a relationship with the park owner, They'll call you when they don't want something or when something comes available that they want it, they don't want to do, but they'll let you do. Some of them are tore up pretty bad and they don't want to fool with them. So they'll give them to us. I've had them give me free mobile homes and let us fix them, but we have to fix them the outside the way they want it to look because they want it to look a certain way. The inside, you can do whatever you want. And then what? You sell it to a new owner or the, or the park owners? Because I know it's, I know it's different on some mobile home parks. The owner of the entire park owns each of the homes, and in some situations, they just own the spaces, right? So, so somebody who's living in one of these homes may own the house, or they may not. The parks we work in, they just own the house. They don't own the land. The, the homeowners, the mobile home park, only owns the land. Gotcha. So the mobile home parks you work with don't also own the houses. It's it, they're all individually most them, owned. Most all of them are individually owned. There's some parks here that the, the park owners will rent the homes, and then they'll call you and say, "I don't want to rent this home anymore because they tore it up, and I want somebody to fix it." You can do that too. I mean, we've built a lot of relationships with a few of the yeah. owners in our area. But I mean, it's it's pretty much the same. It's just less money going in, less money out of your pocket to rehab it. Less profit, but more deals and less competition. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's a benefit, but, right? But yeah. it's getting so, worse. More and more people are getting into the mobile home space. Yeah, you hear about it more and more, more often. Yeah. 
it's getting worse here. You can see it because there's less and less used mobile homes for sale. Hmm. So we'll start going into other areas. If we can't find what we want, we'll just drive an hour, or hour and a half and go into other areas and find them because they're, they're out there. Yeah. You just have to look. You do the same things with mobile homes you do with houses, the bandit signs and the ads, we buy a mobile home. It's the same. Right. It's right. just, you know, just spending less money out of your pocket to get involved in it. You can you can flip a mobile home on a thirty thousand dollar a year salary easy. And that's well, another so, reason. Yeah, let's let's talk numbers because I think that's interesting and, and I appreciate you being so candid about all this. Walk us through one of these deals. So someone approaches you, whether it's the person who owns the home or the park owner, and they want to sell you it. Walk us through how much you pay for it, how much you put into it, how long it takes you, and then maybe what you flip it for. The most I've ever spent or paid for a home purchasing it was $6,000. And that particular home, we didn't do anything at all to it. It was livable, and we just turned around and sold it. We just financed it to the buyers and sold it for $15,000. Financed it to them. And what we usually get a month, they range anywhere from the payment to me ranges anywhere from three to six hundred dollars a month. And that then the lot rent is added on to that. So it depends on what park they're in, how much the lot rent is. Their payments are usually five to seven hundred dollars a month, somewhere in that neighborhood for everything. And we just try to compare mobile home prices to better like the same size apartment price. And that's how we sell them. But I mean, some of them are, you know, I pay $2,000 for them. And I spent as much as $20,000 because it was totally destroyed inside. But then I just turned around and passed a 1000 or $2,000 down and then financed it to them. And I don't always look. What I always do when we sell them is we don't always look at uh, how quickly we're going to get our money back. We always look at if they can afford the home or not. And the buyers that are trying to buy the home, we want to make, we always make sure they can qualify to get into the park. So they have to make like three times the rent or what they're paying us has to be like three times, you know, what they make in order to qualify. And then if they can afford it, looking at their history and things, if you can tell somebody can usually can afford it. But we try to get it to where they we know they can afford it, so I don't get them back. And the, the good thing about the, doing notes, if you work with people, usually you can they'll work with you and pay you, especially if the home's nicer. You know, we try to fix them really nice. We don't just put vinyl floors in them and laminate countertops. I mean, you can see some of the pictures where we've done them. They're really nice homes. That's why we spend fifteen or twenty thousand dollars in them. Pretty much the way most of them are. Most all of them are those number. I mean, like I said, we've gotten three ones and we spent ten thousand dollars in them. Mm-hmm. And we've gotten a six thousand dollar home and didn't spend nothing in it. But I mean, it just it just varies. You know, depending on how bad the homes are tore up. The most recent one we finished, it had been flooded on both ends. The water heater on one end, the toilet on the other, and it had been sat there empty for four years. So it was in bad shape, and we spent $15,000 fixing it. And then we just turned around and financed it to somebody that could afford it. Hopefully, they'll pay for it for seven or eight years until it's theirs. That's the downside to it, create notes. If you 
the notes stop once they pay you. <laughs> you either have to keep working or do something else. You know, start buying them and renting them. Is that how long you usually tote the note for, seven to eight years? Uh, yeah, most of them are five to seven years. The longest one I've done, I think, is 10. And that's because that home was $40,000. And at yeah, what interest rate do you one. do you usually charge them? Uh, no more than what I did when I first started doing it. I went and talked to a, a lawyer to find out what's a good number to be in front of the judge asking for my home back. And he said, as long as you stay under 10%, they won't frown on you in Virginia. But that could change as the interest rates drop. So, I mean, we usually go 7 to 8%. But you know, as the interest rates get lower and lower, you know, we really don't have to have the interest in it because you can just back into it and just put the amount you want for the home and not even put interest on it at all. Because the people that are buying them, they don't care about the interest. They just want to know they can afford the payment. Mm-hmm. So these are worry about most of them. anywhere from what, $400 to $600, $800 roughly a month is, is, is what they're getting into these mobile homes for? Yeah. Okay. Most of them recently we've done three to four hundred dollars. Interesting. And like I said, the most the most expensive one I have now is like six fifty, but that's a house that the people are still paying me for. The rest of them are actually mobile homes. And the most expensive one of it is four hundred and some dollars a month. So they don't pay no more than six fifty or seven hundred a month for everything. Go buy it, buy the home and lot rent. Gotcha. So you're really, I mean, you've essentially kind of created a cash flow stream for yourself for quite a while. I mean, if you keep doing these year over year over year, you know, you'll have a, a nice little note stream there for several years going forward. Is that correct? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. That's why, I, that's all I understood. So that's why I started doing that. I mean, I know how to flip the mobile homes and I understand how they work themselves how to fix everything and then so yeah that's what i tried to do was just create the notes so i could pretty much live off of them when i couldn't do the plumbing anymore the guys that helped me decide they're going to quit but i mean that's that's pretty much all we do it's not anything fancy or technical that anybody couldn't do it's you just have to put out the effort and the time to fix them totally is there a goal that you're trying to get to with it with that 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 income stream or that note stream or or you know net worth goal yeah, or something I mean, you're I, hitting? I would like to get to ten thousand a month. I don't know that I'll get that far, like I said, because they they drop off. But I mean, you know, sometimes you know we usually don't do but three or four a year for me. But I think last year I might have done five. We're just doing working for a plumbing company working for the park owners and then working for me too. So it's, you know, I just do like three or four of them a year. And I've started the guys that are helping me. One of them has bought a home and I financed it for him and he's fixing it himself. And he's trying to get involved in it a little bit on his own too, because he's starting to see, you know, those little small single hits you get all the time at three or $400 a month. It adds up after you do enough of them. Yeah. Do you enjoy your work, Mark? You like what you do? Yeah, I do. We love the mobile homes. I, the plumbing business, I I get burnt out on it just because it's hard working for those box retail stores. Yeah. I've been burnt out on that. That's, that's why I started doing the home mobile home flipping because I was just, I knew I wasn't going to keep doing that other for a long time. 
Yeah. So now looking back, I mean, I know you're, you you said you learned a lot from your parents and a mobile home park that they owned. And now you've obviously been doing this. Do you wish you would have started doing it sooner? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I should have started when I was 20. If I would have started when I was 20, it's hard to tell where I would be by now. But yeah, I wish I would have started when I was young. That's a lot of the regrets and just I wasted a lot of years doing nothing but working for somebody else. <laughs> I shouldn't have, but I did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, I saw, I, the reason I did is I saw so much of the bad side with my parents owning that mobile home park and all of the problems they dealt with on a day to day basis. And I just, you know, at one time I thought about, well, maybe I want to do that, but I just, it was just for them. It was a struggle because they never wanted to learn how to be landlords. They just wanted to uh, do things the way they wanted to do them. They were close to all of their tenants and friendly with everybody, and it caused them a lot of problems until they eventually sold it. But I was lucky because I got to spend 20 years of my life in it and seeing the things that went on and, and learning about them. But I just, I should have gotten involved with a lot of things than I did. It's a really interesting business, Mark, because it's more than just fix and flip because then you have the financing piece. You go sell mm-hmm. this to somebody and that creates your annuity or your income stream. So you make mm-hmm. it sound easy, but you've you've thought up of a, a clever little business here. Yeah, it's not, it's not bad. I'm going to eventually start buying notes on my own, buying notes on houses and things. But I just, I haven't got to that point yet. That's all. That's a different animal <laughs> yeah. than creating a note on a home. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you just mentioned you wish you would have started a little bit earlier. Let's talk mistakes and, and general advice here as you look back. If you're comfortable sharing your age, you're welcome to do it. But as you look back on your career and your life, what, what other mistakes have you made or what advice would you give somebody that's just graduated or maybe they're 25 years old and, and just starting out? If I, if I had it to do over again, I'm 53, but if I had it to do over again, I would start paying myself when I get paid first thing, and I would not have borrowed a lot of money and got myself in debt. That was the worst thing that I ever did, and that's what kept me working in those jobs all my life because I thought I had to pay those bills all my life, and that's what I did. I mean, I, had, I created them, so I had to pay them. And that's what I did. I mean, Sorry, to, how much did you have? Sorry to interrupt. How much in debt? Oh, Lord. The first time I got in trouble was 50000 and in credit card debt and things like that. And then the second time I got in trouble was I had a mortgage on a house, and it was all total of that was 200000 It's a house and all the other debts and things that I had attached. And I just, when I got in, I was luckily, I was able to get rid of that house before losing it. And I just said then, I'm never, ever doing this again. I don't care what happens. I'm never borrowing another dime again in my life. And I've been able to stick to it for quite a few years. It's been 15 years. And I mean, that's if I was if I was telling somebody young, I would tell them to don't borrow money. Don't get yourself in trouble borrowing money like that. Or paying yourself first before you pay anything else. And saving the money to do things differently. And that way you don't have to get rid of those debts and you don't have to struggle all your life. Because I think that's what that's what got all of my family, all of my friends, and everybody that I was around in my life. That's what's gotten them in trouble. Is always, now, lots of people don't get in trouble with it. They're able to you know, keep spreading the money out 
and they're okay. They'll be okay because they make some of them make really good money. But there's lots of people that don't. They make thirty or forty thousand dollars a year, and they're trying to live like they make a hundred, and that makes it very difficult. Right. How much yeah, do you spend a year? I think last year, as far as to flip the trailers, thirty or forty thousand dollars a year. What Sometimes about what about the yeah to flip them right? But what about you, like household spending, living expenses? Oh, that's nothing. I mean, it's we can live on fifteen hundred dollars a month, maybe less. Actually, probably less now. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say because you see, you seem like I mean, you're like a millionaire next door type of guy, right? People probably don't know that you're close to becoming a millionaire here. Yeah, I mean, it's just we just don't have any expenses. I mean, if you don't have any money going out every month, you can do anything you want. It just took me a long time to see that because I wanted new trucks and boats and cars and iPhones and all that stuff that everybody else had. And I just, it took me a long time to see that. But yeah, I mean, it's, it makes it rough. It makes it hard. So was it hard to say, was it hard to say no to some of that stuff and give it up? Or is the, is the happiness on the back end more worth it? For me, it wasn't hard to give it up. It, it was hard to get out from under it. But the second time that I got in trouble, I just said it was it was simple to get rid of it then. I just knew. But I had to get hit in the head twice <laughs> before I realized. But, yeah, it's hard to give up that stuff because people, your family and friends look at you differently when you're telling them, no, I'm not doing this because I want to get rid of some of my bills, and then I'll go do it. You know, they don't want to hear that. They want you to go do what they want to do. They want. They want. They tell me all the time, why do you drive that old truck? <laughs> you can afford to drive a nicer truck. <laughs> I could. I don't want it. I so do, do you have, how many miles you said? Oh, uh, it's got 467,000 on it. 467,000 miles? What kind of truck is it? It's a Chevrolet, 1500. You fix it yourself if it breaks down? No. No, I, we have a mobile mechanic that comes over here and fixes it if it ever breaks. But I just recently bought another truck that I paid $6,000 for. I don't ever pay a lot of money for vehicles because they go down in value and I'm not interested. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just in closing here, Mark, let me, let me just wrap up with a couple more here. What motivates you now? Is it, is it to continually to to get to this $10,000 of income a month that you mentioned? Is it, I mean, what's your deep motivation here to continue to work and build the plumbing business and flip the homes? What's What motivates you? I hope that my daughter and my fiance and the people that work with me will eventually get to the point to where they can do this, do this themselves without me being around. And... You know, when I'm not here anymore, I want it for my fiance and my daughter to be able to deal with all of this. And I mean, that's why I did it to begin with, is so they can have a decent life and not have to work a nine to five job all the time. And they can spend time with their kids and their grandkids and go on the vacations and things they want to do. That's why we did it, because I was tired of answering to somebody else every day. And I mean, I know how horrible that can be. I mean, some people love their jobs. I just never loved mine until I started doing my own plumbing, my own thing. I mean, I just would like to see them be able to do what they want to do. Not around it, but they can go do it themselves. You know, they don't need me, and that's what I want. So the, the nine to five, was there a specific 
moment or situation that happened when you thought, Hey, I'm going to go off and do this on my own. I don't, I don't want to be a nine to five guy anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I went to, I was working doing maintenance work in a nursing home and one of my friends called me from one of the retail stores and said, well, you, you and your buddy do uh, little maintenance projects on the side. Would you like to come work with this company? And I did what most people do. I go to ask my buddies and my friends and my family. Everybody told me I was crazy. You know what? You better not leave that job. It pays you pretty good money. Well, pretty good money was $13 an hour, and that wasn't good money. <laughs> But, you know, when you're getting 40 hours a week or $13 an hour, you think you're making a little bit of money. But to me, that wasn't good money. And I just kept thinking to myself, you know, I, I can make this work because the guy that hired me told me that he said, you'll have a lot of work. You just have to come sign up with us. And I told him, OK, I'll sign up with you and see what happens. And I came home from work one evening. And back then, they used to use fax machines to send you work. And I came home one evening, and there was like 13 jobs on my fax machine. And I said, oh, my God, how am I going to do all these jobs? <laughs> and so I didn't know what to do. So I'm, you know, I, I had asked all my family and friends about should I quit my full-time job. And everybody was like, no, don't you quit that job. You'll, you know, that company will never, they'll never give you enough work. What are you going to do for money to pay your bills and all that stuff and I, I was like everybody all I could think of was well all I could ever think of was what time I get off and how much am I getting paid and I just decided to take a chance I just said I'm done I'm getting out of here I'm done with this place and if I don't make it then I'm going to go back to work that's the worst thing that's going to happen to me is if I quit my job and my plumbing business don't survive then I'll just, just go back to work for somebody else it's, I know why people don't do it because they're scared. I mean, they're afraid that they can't pay their bills. And I mean, that's, I was scared too, but I was just put out enough that I just decided I was done and I was trying something else because I knew I was meant to do something else and it wasn't spend my life working those jobs like that. But it took me a long time to get to that point. Wow. Good for you. I mean, that's inspiring. If I've ever heard that before. So, uh, just last one here. What's been your range of annual income through your working life? Uh, that's the sad part. But for the most part in my jobs, my working life, I never made any more than $30,000 a year. Even in my plumbing business. I mean, it. that's how much I take out of it as a corporation is $30,000 a year. I said, it makes good money, but... When you pay all the help and you factor in all the expenses, in the end, you don't make good money. You just make enough to get by. And I mean, it's a it's a decent living, and that's all it is. But that's why I said I never made good money. So that's why I kind of got away from remodeling houses because it costs so much to do it. So that's why I started doing mobile homes because you can do them and take two or three months to do it, and you don't hardly miss the money. Because it's not a lot, we just spread it out over time. And you see lots of things where people tell you, rehabbing a house, you have to do it so fast or you're losing a lot of money. Well, you are doing a house, but a mobile home, it's a lot different. You're not losing as much money doing a mobile home because it's not costing you nowhere near it to hold it. And the park owners, lots of them won't make you pay rent while you're fixing it. So it doesn't really cost you anything in the taxes on right. a mobile home that a hundred dollars a year, hundred fifty dollars a year. So I mean, you're not, you don't have any holding costs hardly at all. 
So you can spread it out for six months and do one or two a year if you wanted to. It, over time, it would snowball. It just, it's like sure. everything, it takes time to get started. And it, it's tough. It's definitely not an easy business. Flipping houses and being a landlord and things like that, there's no such thing as get rich quick because it doesn't happen. <laughs> Well, it's it's an amazing story, you know, and you, and you mentioned your net worth is 400, but it's, it's more than that, right? If you can't hear what you could sell your mobile home park for and what you could sell the plumbing business. So amazing, amazing, amazing what you've been able to build up on, on 30,000 of income a year. I don't have a mobile home park. I just own the mobile home. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I meant the mobile, yeah, the mobile That's home. All right. My there. parents owned the mobile home park for right, 30 right, years. Right. And they, okay. And I just, all I have plumbing business and the mobile homes. Yeah. I've thought about getting involved in the mobile home park business, but I just, I just do not like being a landlord. And every time I think about doing it, I just, if I ever did it again, I would probably hire property managers and let them deal with all of it. But most of them here are just, they just don't take care of them like they should. They charge a lot like they do everywhere. Well, Mark, it's thanks for coming on. I mean, it's super interesting. I mean, really a lot of good nuggets of advice and, and really an amazing story. So thanks so much for taking the time tonight and, and sharing some of this wisdom with us and, and the listeners. And, and we really, really appreciate it. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Thanks, sir. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mantinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.